0: Hi, my name is Leif Tulin, and this time of quarantine with no basketball, I dearly miss it, which is why I took the liberty to create this college basketball preview for hoop heads like myself. In this podcast series, I'll be giving predictions for the top teams in the country in increments of five and breakdown a conferences, elite teams per podcast with in-depth analysis of how they will utilize their new and returning personnel. Today, I'll be talking about the ACC's cream of the crop. What I consider to be the elite teams in the ACC are Virginia, Duke, Florida State, North Carolina, and Louisville. And I believe they'll finish in that order this upcoming season. So let's start at the top with Virginia. Virginia is an elite program for those who don't know. In the last seven years, they've finished with a win percentage of 81% in ACC play. That's what we call elite. In 2019-2020, Virginia wasn't at their best defending a national title but losing their three main pieces as well as a rugged center and jack salt in 2019 2020 they were led by kihei clark who was thrust into the spotlight and mamadi diakite who emerged from hitting a big shot in the elite eight to now being a star player that's a huge transition that said virginia still went 23 and 7 15 and 5 in the acc which finished for second but it was not easy to get there and nor was it pretty Uh, virginia Shot only 41.3% as a team and 30.4% from three-point range, while were averaging a measly 57 points in the 2019-2020 season. How are they 15 and five if they shot if they scored 57 points per game? That's what Tony Bennett is known for, the coach of Virginia defense, the pack line defense. Defensively, Virginia was elite, giving up 52.4 points per game, allowing just 36.9% field goal percentage allowed. That they basically make you shoot and make you make contested shots. In terms of Ken Palm defensive adjusted efficiency, Virginia finished first place in the country. They were 42nd overall, and well, that's a big gap. Oh, and 234th offensively. And as compared to their national championship year, they were 5th defensively, 2nd offensively, and 1st overall. And the year before that, they were 1st defensively, 30th offensively, and 2nd overall. So basically expect great defense, and despite the slow pace, Virginia is typically a great offensive team efficiency-wise, not scoring. That's important to realize because a lot of teams have a misconception, a lot of people, I should say, have a misconception about Virginia that that says they are a really bad offensive team and only win because of defense. That was true for 2019-2020, but not typically. This year, I expect Virginia to revert to more of their ways of the 2018-2019 and maybe the years before that with good offense and a very good defense backing them. They'll be led by a Marquette transfer, Sam Hauser, who will have one year of eligibility with the Cavaliers, and this will be his sole season. Sam Hauser is supremely skilled, unselfish, shoots the lights out. He scored 14.9 points per game and seven two-point rebounds while shooting 45.9% from the field and 40.2% from three, making 88 three-balls in his junior season while playing with one of the most electric scorers in the nation in Marcus Howard. I expect Virginia to score a lot more and more efficiently for sure than the last year, but I'm not sure they'll approach the prior two years um efficiency due to the chemistry built between ty jerome kyle guy deandre hunter that's a tough team to match but that said i expect around similar point scored averages and maybe slightly worse defense i expect around 70 points per game with with the new players but the defense won't be quite as suffocating as this past season allowing only 52 as mentioned before so i may be around 59 points allowed because virginia hasn't allowed more than 60 points in a season uh, per game since the 2015-2016 season, and that's that said, it was only 60.2 points per game. Needless to say, as it will be repeated a couple more times in this podcast, just to drill home the point, Virginia is an elite defensive team. Um, i One thing that I think may change, and the reason Virginia doesn't typically doesn't score as much as some of its ACC foes, is because they play a very slow, methodical pace in the, using a a blocker-mover offense patented by Tony Bennett. But this year, I think they may play a quicker pace, playing to the the speed of Kihei Clark, and use a lot more pick-and-roll based off personnel strengths with Jay Huff and Sam Hauser being there rather than Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter, which is a guard-based offense. So I think you may see more pick-and-roll than, than you have been used to when watching Virginia. They started to do that more at the end of the season, adapting to personnel, and that is when they started picking up. Uh, I was very curious to see how that team was going to do going into the uh, national tournament because that's a team no one wants to play, and that's for certain. Uh, so here's an introduction to some of the personnel and how I envision various lineups and this, my, my assumed scoring distribution for Virginia. Um, So just just to start, the two players that Virginia will have lost from last year were Mamadi Diakite and Braxton Key, two defensive stalwarts and very versatile players. Diakite was the best player on the team last year with 14 points per game, seven rebounds, and was an all-ACC defensive player. And then Braxton Key was sneakily the the best rebounder on the team the last two years. Uh, He scored 10 points and got seven rebounds himself. He was the ultimate glue guy. Played great defense, passed the ball, was extremely versatile, and he will be missed. But those two, uh, their defensive prowess, will be matched by the incoming offensive prowess, and then the backbone of the defensive, its uh, backbone of the program is defense. So I think defense should be fine. That said, without further ado, here is what I envision the lineups to be. I think the starting lineup will be Kihei Clark at point guard, Tomas Walden Tense at two guard. Jabri Abdurrahim, a freshman, at the three, Sam Hauser at the four, and Jay Huff, assuming he returns because the NBA draft um, withdraw- withdrawing the name has been postponed, we still don't know if he is going to return, but all indications point to that he will be back in Charlottesville. So I will have Kihei Clark, Tomas side Jabri Abdurrahim, Sam Hauser, and Jay Huff in the starting lineup. That leaves the bench looking like this, and this is how I assume the bench will, will play out in terms of role, so I'll read it in order. Uh, Casey Morsell will be the sixth man. Francisco Papi Cafaro will be the seventh. Cody Statman at eight. Justin McCoy at nine. And Reese Beekman at ten. I think those are all that will play. There's also Carson McCorkle um, and Kadeen Shedrick, who will get minutes, but I don't think they'll get a ton of time. So I'm going to read you a few things about how Virginia will score. And this is, these are my projections for each player. um, And then maybe a little summary of their, their roles that they'll play. So I think Kihei Clark will score nine points per game and be a focal point of the offense running it as he last year grew into his role of being, being thrust into the limelight after being a very much complimentary, just play defense, handle the ball when he played alongside Jerome, who is the true point guard. So uh Kihei clark has really matured and he'll be one of the catalysts for this team and his scoring will not be his main role but that said i think he'll score nine points a game making free throws down the stretch making really smart decisions and he'll have a chance to compete his way into um first second second team LACC. i think first would be a stretch for him but he's super important not a, a extremely good competitor I think Tomas Tensai is one of the more interesting pieces, as last year his role was vital due to the lack of spacing and needing the ball to to hit three balls for the team to do better. And his emergence was huge against Louisville last year. He, He erupted for 27 points, hit threes, and allowed for Virginia to have a true threat shooting the ball, which opened it up inside for Diakite and Huff. Um, this year, I'm not sure his role will be as important and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets moved to the bench and Casey Marcel, assuming he shoots the ball a little better than he did last year, gets the starting minutes or um, because of the, his defense is phenomenal and Wolda Tensai's perceived weakness is defense. Um, and then Sam Hauser's addition makes shooting less, less vital than it was last year. But that said, I think Wolda Tensai did too good of a job at the end of the last season to not earn a starting rate this season. At least at the beginning. Um, at the small four, we have a freshman, Jabri Abdul Rahim, who is nicknamed on the AAU circuit in the EYBL 40 Ball Bree because of his proficiency scoring the rock with back to back 40 point games. Um, I think he'll score eight points per game. And he ha- he's one of those guys that i think tony bennett hasn't had many before uh, he, tony bennett has recruited a lot of players who are good defensively and grow into capable scores jabri abdur is a is a pure scorer he can shoot and he can slash and he gets the line at a very high level and he i should mention he is the son of sharif sharif Abdurrahim, a two-time nba all-star so he's he's skilled He's been well coached, and you can see it in his play. He's 6'7, 205. And I can see him in two years becoming what DeAndre Hunter was as a, as a isolation threat, as well as playing in the uh mover blocker system. So and next up at the four is the most important player on the team. As as well as he plays, the Virginia Cavaliers will go very far. And that's Sam Hauser. I think Sam Hauser will score around 16 or 17 points per game because he can shoot the rock. He already scored 15 for Marquette being a second option. So being a first option for a team that plays a little slower than Marquette does, 16 a game seems like, oh man, that's not a huge gap. But the ACC is better than the Big East was when Sam Hauser was there. And if, if he scores 16 a game on f- fairly comparable efficiency, Virginia should be in great hands because of the depth that they have this year. Lastly, our and the starting lineup, you got Jay Huff. Jay Huff came on at the end of the season extremely well with that huge game against Duke with 10 blocks, this game-winning block. But Jay Huff presents a unique skill set that Virginia often doesn't have, and that is he can step out and shoot it. He can pump fake, take a dribble, and get to the rim. And then with Hauser, he'll be asked to play inside as, more than he has be, when he's been playing with Diakite or in sparing minutes in earlier seasons. He'll get more options for dunks, and Kihei Clark will throw him lobs, and with the improved spacing, he'll have more room to operate himself. Um, so I think that'll be the starting lineup, but like I said, I think Casey Morsell is a sleeper contender to take that two spot from Wolda Tensai. So the minutes between Wolda Tensai, Jabri Abdurrahim, Morsell, and Statman and Justin McCoy will be very interesting to see how that shakes out in a 40-minute game. As for the bench, I foresee Marcel Casey Marcel getting the most minutes. Uh, he struggled shooting the ball mightily at the beginning of the season last year, but he was invaluable defensively. He was considered to be one of the most ready players in a ton- Tony Bennett's had as a freshman, and he was defensively. His shooting form is good. He just was a shot of the ball a little flat last year, and he had some confidence wanes. And I think with a good summer, he may press Tomas Wolden Tensai due to Wolden Tensai's perceived weakness defensively. Even though he's still a competent defender, Marcel is just excellent defensively. And if Jabri Abdurrahim shoots the ball well, Wolden Tensai is less versatile than. Jabri and I can see Marcel get regaining his starting spot. Next up on the bench, I have uh, Cafaro, Francisco papi Cafaro, who's very similar to Jack Salt. He's Argentinian. Salt was uh, a Kiwi from New Zealand. They're both extremely physical, set great screens, communicate very well defensively, protect the rim, rebound. They won't show up in the box score as much as some of the other players, but are vital to team success. I expect Poppy Kafaro will get about four, four points per game, a dunk, and maybe two free throws. Um, he, he had some shining moments, but he also struggled with foul trouble in his freshman season. And I think playing behind Huff, he'll learn a lot and grow in the next couple of years. And I think he'll beat out Sh- uh, Kadeen Shedrick, who re- redshirted last year. Very talented player for most of those reserve center minutes. Um, so that's Morcel with six points off the bench. Kafaro with four. Uh, Cody Statman was another guy last year who struggled at times. And he was battling with Morcel and Wolda Tensai for those wing uh, running off curls and shooting. And none of them seemed to get the range until Wolda Tensai broke out against Louisville and consolidated his spot i think statman um, mccoy who justin mccoy redshirted this past year i can see justin mccoy scoring two two points per game but being a very good defensive player he's one of the guys that i've heard from the virginia camp that he is playing great ball during during these practices and he's going to make a name for himself and lastly of the main contributors i think reese beekman will play backup point guard sparingly because of kihei clark Seems to always be on the floor, similar to L- the way London Parentes was of years past for Virginia. Um, but Reese Beekman's a very talented point guard from Louisiana, and he'll be the face of the program point guard wise once Hay Clark graduates and may even play alongside him in year two. I just don't see a ton of minutes for him this early, but he may surprise you because he's super athletic, great defensively, and fits the Tony Bennett mold beautifully. So let me break down the program. As I've mentioned before, defense, defense, defense. That's how you play at UVA. And what the UVA defense is called the pack line, it, um, patented by Tony Bennett's father, Dick Bennett. And Tony Bennett seems to have even taken it uh, places above. So what is the pack line? The pack line is a gap defense that still puts pressure on the ball. The pack line defense also puts your players in better def- uh, position for defensive rebounding, results in less foul trouble which was shown by Virginia's past season being first in the nation and fewest fouls committed and a perceived weakness for the pack line would be susceptibility for allowing threes because of playing the gaps rather than denying. However, Virginia allowed three point shooters to only shoot 29% from three against them in 1920. Um, Virginia specifically plays a pack line defense and prides itself on not being beat by one man, especially not big guys whom they double in what's called a monster double uh, which is helping big-to-big big and rotating accordingly. Another unique aspect to UVA's defense is their hard hedges up to around 40 feet that disrupt ball screens greatly, and then the big sprints back to their man after the help comes in and doesn't let them hit the slip guy. Jack Salt was phenomenal at it, and I think that could be a weakness this year because Hauser and Huff aren't quite as physical, um, but I think with the training and the extra time hauser having a year to practice it they should be okay in that way offensively virginia as i said there's a common misconception that they're bad offensively because they don't score a lot and as i said earlier that is that is false virginia does a great job typically last season that was true uh typically virginia does a great job scoring efficiently using pin downs and what they run what's called a blocker remover uh the blocker remover is where a point guard brings the ball up and there are pairs working in tandem with many pin downs. Uh, It's predicated on the reality that not all players are natural scorers or ball handlers, and we want to get shots for the best shooters or scorers. It's a motion offense with extensive screening, cutting, and with players reading the defense and reacting accordingly. Uh, Kyle Guy was a master at reading screens, whether he'd flare it or curl it. Um, And some players, the guards, are called movers. And the bigs are typically called blockers. Movers are primarily scorers um, and they move all over the court, side to side, top to bottom. They run off a ton of pin downs, curls, um, and they get a lot of three balls, is what is primarily used for. And that is what, why he's Kyle Guy is my main example. He benefited greatly from this scheme and showed his very good shooting of shooting 45% in the ACC from three. Blockers. Their primary responsibility is setting good screens for movers and then slipping to the basket or getting a ball in the post. But their first and first job in the system is to set screens, and and then look for passes. That is why typically in Virginia, uh, there are this guards lead them: Malcolm Brogdon, London Perentes, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter. This year, I think it'll be a little different due to the unique skill set of Sam Hauser and Jay Huff even, shooting the basketball, which are the four and five, for the, those of you unfamiliar to Virginia. So I thought of some sets that would be uh, that would behoove Virginia's set, uh, sorry, that would behoove Virginia based off their personnel. Um, so the Horn Set is one that really works for Virginia's personnel, and I'll describe to you what a Horn Set is, and a specific play out of the Horn Set used by Michigan State. Um, that I think Tony Bennett has stolen and will continue to incorporate. It's called Spartan after Michi- Michigan State. Um, they use the horn set and run this play uh, effectively, and it'll fit the Virginia personnel very well. So you start in the horn set, which is the point guard at the top of the key, the two bigs lane line extended vertically, and the wings on the corners. And so in Virginia's case, I'll, I'll say their names uh, for positions. So that would be Kihei Clark passing to Jay Huff, then screening for uh, Sam Hauser. Hauser cuts around the screen to the right low block. Jabri Abdurrahim cuts through underneath to the left low block area. Huff passes back to Kihei, who, after screening for Hauser, moves back to the top. Meanwhile, Jabri, Hauser, and Huff set a triple staggered screen for your shooter, Tomas Woldetensai. Woldetensai uh, initially steps up toward the wing to set up the cut and then cuts hard around those uh, three screens to the right wing and gets the pass from Kihei and the three-point shot. Then there's a slip option if the four defender, which would be the guy guarding Hauser, helps on the cutter which is Woldet Tensai. Hauser then slips ducks in the middle for a quick cast from Kihei into the inside shot. Another option that uses their most prolific scorer, which would probably be Sam Hauser, is called the flare starting the same horn set. Sam Hauser sets the screen for Kihei Clark. Kihei dribbles over the screen toward the left wing. Huff then screens for Hauser. Hauser flares to the right wing, and this will occupy the defenders. Huff then ball screens for Kihei, and then we have a pick and roll with Kihei and Huff. Huff rolls to the inside. Kihei looks to score or could pass to Huff on the roll, kick out pass to Hauser or Jabri, and notice that Wolda Tensai, a designated three-point shooter, Uh, rotates up on the left wing and could get the pass back from kihei wolden tensai could then either shoot the three-point shot or pass to huff posting up so that is the whole play um out of the horn set and i i think you can see based off the skill sets i've described of each player in the that i think will be in the foreseeable starting lineup this fits their skill set and we began to see virginia start running those these plays and i think with sam hauser Rather than Mamadi Diakite, even though Diakite could shoot the ball, Hauser is a phenomenal shooter, maybe the best shooter in the ACC, and I don't think that's a stretch at all. And we will see that type of action very frequently, and I think UVA fans or just basketball fans will have a fun time watching Virginia play basketball, whereas they typically complain it's boring. In sum, this team should be very, very enjoyable to watch, as I just mentioned, and have a defensive backbone at the same time, which is odd to say um jabri abdul rahim's growth on both ends is super important to this team being very good as he brings a dimension offensively only few virginia teams have had if he can explode into his full form as a freshman and even if not they should still be a very good team kihei and huff's growth toward the end of last season is enormous going into this season with less pressure but more experience The team key for Virginia is to stay solid defensively and for Jay Huff and Sam Hauser to keep Virginia's strength of hedging and recovering after the screen still a strength after the departure of the defensive studs, Mamadi Diakite, and Braxton Key. So that concludes Virginia, and we'll move on to Duke, who I think will have a very similar record to Florida State and maybe one game behind Virginia, and Duke will, I'll say, is just slightly better than Florida State due to Florida State not quite having... A a true point guard, so I'll give the narrow edge to Duke. So Duke, as you know, is a blue blood. Duke, in the last seven years, has a 72% win percentage as ACC play, and that's very good. Um, Duke last year, in no and typical form, did very well overall and in the ACC. They're 25 and six, 15 and five in the uh, ACC, tying for second. Um, In Ken Palm. Duke was 5th overall for adjusted efficiency, uh, ninth offensively and 12th defensively. Um, they, were, they just brought in the 3rd rated recruiting class according to 247 Sports Composite. And Duke was 2nd in the country last year in scoring, uh, scoring 82.5 points per game. And they allowed 68 points per game, quite a margin. And that margin, in fact, got them 5th in the country in scoring margin, uh, Duke. You always have to worry about what they bring in and who they lose, because them and Kentucky are two of the only teams that can bring in talent and and make up for the talent they lose each year. So this year they're losing a trip, a double double threat, and Vernon Carey every time he steps on the court, averaging eighteen and nine. Um, they lost the ACC Player of the Year and Trey Jones, who scored sixteen points and dished out six assists per game, and then Cassius Stanley who was compl- a beautiful complimentary piece for those two, scoring about 13 points and getting five rebounds per game. So they didn't lose the number one pick, the number three pick, and the number 10 pick like they did the last year with uh, Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish, but they still lost a lot of talent. That said, they retained Matthew Hurt, who scored 10 points per game, four rebounds, 39% from three last year, and Wendell Moore, who has a really bright future, struggled with some injuries, and scored seven points per game. The, um, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you to a friend of mine, Duke fan, uh, Andrew Clark, at Blue Devil Thoughts on Twitter. You guys should give him a follow. Um, he, he helped me out a lot with this, with the Duke scouting report, and did a great job breaking down the stuff. So if you guys have any questions about Duke, hit him up. He knows a lot about college basketball, and especially Duke. Um, so the the this Duke team identity has been and will be athleticism, transition scoring and forcing turnovers defensively while being stout, not allowing threes. Um, you can always expect a lot of ball pressure from Duke, and this year will be no different. With their best defensive players uh, being Jeremy Roach, Jordan Goldwire, and Wendell Moore, those three all play guard or wing. Um, Coach K absolutely adores when his guards get after the passers and. The wings play the passing lanes. Makes lives hard for point guards and allows them to get runouts and use their superior athleticism. Offensively, Duke lacks a lot of structure. Um, the team will likely opt for simple entries uh, for to allowing the talent to breathe and create plays for themselves. Duke runs a lot of sets like Floppy, which allows for shooters to come off screens and get good looks. The shooters this year will be. Joey Baker and DJ Stewart running off pin downs, which will allow Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach and their star Jalen Johnson to come off curls. Expect a good deal of pick and roll for Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach. who will be splitting the point guard duties. Uh, Johnson is a point forward and we'll talk about him extensively later. Um, You'll and then you'll get some pick and pop with Matthew Hurt, who, as I mentioned, shoots the ball very well. Um, The, the, the ability of Johnson to break down, come off screens, and use his height and really impressive vision will be huge for this team, especially if Duke can shoot the ball. Um, this year's team, there's no, there's no player in the top 10, believe it or not. However, that is fairly misleading. I think Jalen Johnson and Andrew uh, has aptly pointed out he was consensus top 5 player. But he had some issues with eligibility and didn't play for his high school team, fell down the rankings. But that doesn't impact how good of a player he truly is. Um, much like Duke's uh, team from this past year, Duke should rely on depth more than traditional Coach K squads. Nine or ten players should see and probably will see fairly regular minutes. And I would expect five or six of them to see very consistent regular minutes. Um, Coach K will tinker with matchups depending foul trouble, matchups, and what they need in those type of games. Um, the players that will play those those sparing minutes depending matchups from last year were Alex O'Connell, Joey Baker, Jack White. Um, this year you'd probably get Henry Coleman, Jamin Brakefield, and maybe even Joey Baker and DJ Stewart in this category. Um, but Andrew has broken it up into impressive tiers and in terms of usage rate for the players but first i'll talk about what i perceive to be the starting lineups and and descriptions of some of the players so i think the starting lineup and and andrew would agree the starting lineup is jeremy roach wendell moore jalen johnson matthew hurt and mark williams um jeremy roach is a point guard number 21 in the class um of 2020 who is very sound he he's he doesn't do anything incredibly that you think but he's good at everything uh Wendell Moore will be the super glue guy of of sorts for Duke he's a defensive stopper who can take the ball up the court run the break and finish in transition and time will tell if he's reliable off the bounce or as a floor spacer if not I mean if he does so he could be an ACC caliber all ACC caliber wing and he's one of the more exciting players on this team. He's he played. He's super young. He'll be a sophomore, but he's yet to turn nineteen. Um, Wendell Moore is extremely athletic, and you you could see that in in games where he was healthy. And he was also kind of an odd man out because of all the talent there last year. This year, he should be featured more. Uh, Jalen Johnson is is a phenomenal player, and he will be a point forward. And I think he and Jeremy Roach, if they can figure out a way to Co-handle being the point guard, um, this team could go very far. Matthew Hurt is is a very skilled player, but he struggled defensively. He's one of Duke's highest-ranked ret- uh, players to return to Durham in a long while. He has undeniable offensive skills, touch, shooting ability, footwork. Uh, the only issue for him is he simply offers little on the defensive end, and that keeps him uh, that kept him off the court a fair deal this past season and could as well this year but i foresee improvement any improvement there makes him extremely valuable as it, with his ability to space providing room for roach and johnson to penetrate and kick mark williams is a key player because his defense will be huge for this team with all the ball pressure duke is susceptible to getting back cut or beat off the dribble and williams is their defensive anchor he's a center he's 7-1 you can't teach height and you can teach him. You you can teach him some of the fundamentals, but defensively he's got the instincts. He'll be a key. Um, so, the, they scored eighty two point five points per game last year, and this year should be fairly similar. Andrew predicted eleven points from Roach, ten from Moore, seventeen from Johnson, thirteen from Hurt, seven from Mark Williams, six from Jordan Goldwire. This is now the bench. So, uh, so the starting five. Let me reiterate, was Roach, Moore, Johnson, Hurt, Williams. And now the bench. Jordan Goldwire will be a senior. He's a do it all guard who I wouldn't. I would be surprised if he doesn't get a few starts in spot moments. And if if injuries happen at all, uh, he's he's he can play the one or the two. He's a combo guard. He prides himself defensively. He's had one and a half steals last year off the bench. I, I expect him to get six points. Uh, DJ Stewart is a touted recruit. Can absolutely score the ball. His issue is similar to Hurt. He he's not a proven defender. He'll score around six points. Joey Baker around seven points. Uh, Joey Baker is a great shooter who has a nasty head fake. Uh, He pump fakes, puts the ball in the dribble once, um, and and he puts the ball in the hole. Uh, He uh, as well needs to work on his defense to stay on the floor, but he he could be a key. If he can start shooting off those floppy sets, getting the ball on pin downs, shooting the ball, and spacing and getting those easy looks created by Johnson, then Duke will be in a very scary team. Um, Henry Coleman is a defensive specialist. He'll He's a freshman. He'll get some minutes, but not a lot, scoring a point around a point a game. Jamin Brakefield is a very athletic, small forward, power forward mold that will get a few minutes similar to Coleman. He'll score on two. And lastly, the last rotational player will be Patrick Tape, a uh, transfer, who almost transferred out of Duke right after committing. And he'll be... He'll spell Williams. He'll play minutes. He's he's a physical presence. He's he's mature. Um, lead lead the, their locker room maybe, and you can kind of hope for him to. If you're a Duke fan, hope he plays a role similar to that of Marshall Plumley. Um, and anyone in the ACC knows the Plumley brothers and, and their role. So that may be hope wishful thinking. Um, so here are the tears that are broken down by, by my friend Andrew. He. He broke it down as Tier 1, a superstar, that's Jalen Johnson. Tier 2, reliable stars, which are Wendell Moore and Jeremy Roach. Tier 3, elite role players, uh, Matthew Hurt, Mark Williams, Jordan Goldwire. And then Boomer Bus, which I really love the label because some of these games, DJ, uh, DJ Stewart could go off. He's, he's incredibly talented. He scores the ball at an insane clip, and he may do that again. But he's inconsistent. Joey Baker and Patrick Tope round that out. Um, so tier one, the superstar, Jalen Johnson. I've been I've been hyping him up. He's ranked eleventh in the two four seven composite. Um, but as mentioned before, he's a top ten talent. Um, Johnson, his strengths all lie with his positional size. Um, he's six nine and he's 6'8" 215 is what he's listed at but he said today in a tweet that he's still growing um anyway regardless of how tall he becomes he's got great positional size great playmaking he's a very fluid athlete he he looks like he could be on an NBA court right now um he'll he'll throw down some slams that that leave you with your jaw stro- uh, dropping um he's kind of got a similar fluid athleticism that to that of RJ Barrett in my opinion Johnson is great in operating in space. Uh, His athleticism, coupling with his passing, makes it very hard to stop in the open court. So in the open court is where Duke wants to be. Uh, His weaknesses lie more on focusing. He's got the athletic tools, but he doesn't focus. He has some wanes on the defensive end. He can cause issues in the passing lanes, but he doesn't always stop his man. Um, His decision-making is for the most part good, but he can seek questionable passes trying to make the fancy play rather than the, the smart and easy one. And then his shooting similar to that of RJ Barrett, even though they're not the same player, they're both good point forwards. Um, he'll pass more and score less, but he, he could, well, could have the same impact. Um, he his The reason he's similar to RJ in my opinion is he shoots a little bit of a flat jump shot. It's inconsistent but he's got the ability to knock some shots down. Uh, if he can develop that jump shot, he, he has the, by all means, has the p- potential to win the ACC player of the year as a freshman. Uh, tier two, the Nash, uh, the reliable stores. I think Wendell Moore is prime for a breakout season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a second-team all-ACC player. Um, Wendell Moore is 6'6", 213, and he is a true two-way wing. Maybe the only play- one uh, on the Duke team. Uh, Wendell is mostly known for his tip in against North Carolina that won the crazy game from last year, but that would be undermining what he did for this team. He brought switch of uh, positional versatility that was that was not a strong suit, and he will continue to bring that. He can guard two through four, and even battle with some uh, some guards and some centers, but not not the biggest and strongest. Um, I expect him to take the challenge of guarding the best player on the on the team um, defensively. Um, he slashes phenomenally. He attacks closeouts, can get all the way to the cup. He struggles a little bit in that mid-range game, um, where if he if he's forced to go off the three-point line and take one dribble, shoot a mid-range or a floater, that may not be his forte. But that's not often you have to do so. Um, in In the open court, along with Johnson and Roach, he should thrive. Um, he's, he's got the true versatility that most teams can only dream of with athleticism, shooting touch. His three-point percentage wasn't phenomenal this past season, but he's got a good free-throw percentage, which leads you to believe he's got a good stroke. Um, he'll be the glue guy, and, I, and if he'll be a good indicator of how good this Duke team is, is how well he plays. Um, when he plays well, Duke will win. When he doesn't play very well against the better teams, they'll probably lose um jeremy roach is the the other one in this category roach as mentioned before uh 21st overall in the in 247 composite as i mentioned he does a lot of things that coaches will love and he doesn't do anything at an exceptional level but he does everything well um he has a feel for the game understands his role on offense and defense and he's got got a competitive streak that shows his ability to close out games um He's not a premier NBA athlete, but he he's a definite plus athlete in college. He wrote he slides his feet phenomenally on defense. Um, his weakness is also his strength. He he can he doesn't do anything exceptionally as I as I've said, but he he'll rarely do anything to beat uh, to make you lose as well. Um, he could work on his shooting. He's not a reliable three point shooter at this stage, and if he can get thirty four percent. I'm not I'm not asking for 40% from him, but if he can space and let Jalen Johnson operate as the point forward and space, allowing Johnson more space to operate, and then hit his shot, garner that respect so they can't help as much, that'll go a huge distance for Duke. Um, speaking of shooting, Matthew Hurt is in the next tier of elite role players, should average around 25 minutes per game, but could see get games where they're used less. Matthew Hurt was a hyped-up recruit. He had all, every chance to prove his worth this past season in Durham, but he struggled to defend. And he, he I don't think he'll ever become an elite defender, but he can become comp, uh, competent. And if he does so, that'll be a huge addition for Duke. Um, he, You don't find too many knockdown shooters at his height. He's got a rare feel for the game. Um, you won't help off of him so pick and roll which, or pick and pop with him should be used very frequently maybe some horn set as I mentioned before with Mark Williams as will be in this tier is a great roll man with his size um, Hurt Hurt will stay in the game if he defends if, if he's struggling in, in some of the matchups and the, the, the shame is that power forward is a tough position in the ACC you got Garrison Brooks and you've got Sam Hauser who, who will be very difficult for him uh, he may not guard them, but it puts them in, in disadvantages. Um, Hertz's role will be a starter, and they'll look to him for offense. Um, he'll he'll get every chance again this year, and I think he'll he'll prove those worthy. As I said earlier, I think he'll score around 13 per game. Um, Jordan Goldwire is is the sixth man. Um, he is a coach's dream. He'll never do anything that you're like wow on a stat sheet just looking at a box score but he's an undeniably elite college defender who's improved consistently on the other end. His strengths are defense. Uh, he ball pressures. He's got, he's, he gets after, he gets in the way, uh, the passing lanes and he shoots the ball well as an open guy. He, he can hit sh- threes at a clip over 35%. And, and, um we project him to shoot around 37 percent this season as he'll get a lot of shots and in the last couple years the the biggest issue for duke has been knocking down open threes because they have the athletes but the 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 lanes are packed in so you have to shoot threes um his weaknesses are mostly his his positional height isn't great because he spends most of the time as a two and he isn't a go-to scorer but he, but he does, he's, he's a glue guy, he really does a great job in his role, and I think he will continue to do so, and he'll be a senior, he'll be a team captain this, this upcoming season. Um, last player in this role, uh, in the same tier, is Mark Williams, as I mentioned, he is seven feet, and you can't teach that, you can't teach length or size, and he moves his feet fairly well. Um, he he'll end up defending a lot of pick and rolls, which is worrisome because he's a freshman in the ACC. It'll it's difficult to do so defend those at a high level. But he's the anchor, and as as he goes defensively, this team should. Uh, if he starts defending at a very high level, this team will be elite, um, and they may well be anyway. Um, <clears throat> uh, the Boomer Bust category, as I mentioned, DJ Stewart, He he can really score. He's twenty fourth in the two four seven composite. He'll have games where he scores twenty, and he'll also have games where he goes scoreless. He's he's very confident, and and it'll be it'll be interesting to see his role. He may get some st- uh, starts, um, and and he may have games where he he's, he plays only 10, 15 minutes because because of his defense isn't great, and he needs to learn the the ways of college. I expect him to have a big sophomore year, assuming he comes back. Um, he he will earn his way if he can knock down threes open threes and that is the same with joey baker who is a sharpshooter um his weakness is similar to matthew hurt he's just not a great defensive player and he isn't very creative he doesn't get by his man he he shoots open threes he has the one dribble head fake i mean one dribble off of a head fake and that is that and then patrick Tope, the other player in this role as i mentioned his will be leadership he's older and he can defend um I don't expect a lot of scoring out of him, but if he can provide minutes, uh, if if Williams gets in foul trouble, if he can provide um, defensive rotations, that'll be more than enough. This team will be scary, and they'll be certainly competing to the very end with Virginia for the top spots. Next up, we have Florida State. Florida State last year surprised many. They finished... 26-5, 16-4, 26-5, uh, and 16-4, and, and an outright win of the ACC Conference. Um, Florida State was very good offensively and defensively. They scored 75.4 points per game and allowed 65.7. Um, this past season, they and Ken Fom were thir- good for 32nd offensively and 15th defensively, ranking at 15th overall. Um, they were supposed to be a one-seed. Uh, finished fourth in the AP poll and they are going to lose Devin Vassell, Trent Forrest and Patrick Williams to the NBA draft or NBA draft for Vassell and Williams and Forrest graduated, but he was the four general senior leader point guard. Um, Florida state relies on a plug and play system under the uh, pressure heavy scheme of the, uh, um, of the ever underrated, but great Leonard Hamilton. Um, FSU uh, prioritizes length, speed, and depth for their squads, and this year should be no different. Um, FSU created 16.65 turnovers per game, ranking 16th in the nation and top amongst Power 5 teams. Um, They were 19th in turnover margin with a ratio of 3.4. That should be no different this year with um, inserting the defensive menace five-star scotty barnes who's 6'8 210 and is the best recruit to come to tallahassee since fellow defensive stud jonathan isaac who was picked sixth by the orlando magic and is already enforcing himself um, enforcing defensively being a all nba caliber defender i'm not sure barnes is quite that good defensively but he's certainly great great in the college level um, here's my best guess at their scoring distribution. I, I assume around similar 75 points as they've been in between 74 and 80 the last three years. And their press style gets them up and down scoring bunnies. And I assume defensively they'll around average around 67 points allowed. Um, another another team like Duke that has a very good margin and and competes on both ends of the floor. Um, I expect the, their lineup to be as follows: MJ Walker who's um, the only returning double-digit scorer. Uh, he was an All-American a few years ago, and he's a proven shot maker, he'll, and he'll have an expanded role. He'll be an interesting player to track. Um, Anthony Polite uh, out of Switzerland. I expect him to score around 8 points per game. Walker around 15, co- uh, competent backcourt there. Scotty Barnes, the star player of the team, 13 a game. Raekwon Gray, 8. Malik Osborne at center, 7. Um, In this starting lineup, which is really interesting for Florida State, they typically have great length, and they do in this lineup. They have have a bunch of premier athletes there. Um, Walker, 6'5", Polite, 6'6", Barnes, 6'8", Gray, 6'8", Osborne, 6'9". Typically, Florida State has a huge center of the ilk of um, Christ Kumanji or Mifiondu Kagambele. This year, they do not, but I I think that may actually help them play even faster if that's possible. Um, they may not block quite as many shots, but they'll get more steals because Osborne can really slide his feet, and he can shoot the three as well. Let's them space more so and let their um, scores uh, attack closeouts and f- uh, facilitates uh, uh, as follows. Um, so their bench, um, as I mentioned, a plug-and-play system. They play they play 11 or 12 men. So their bench, I assume, Balsa Koprovicia uh, uh, center will get some uh, good run. He'll score around six points per game. Wyatt Wilkes, a good shooter, five a game. Nathaniel Jack, versatile guard, four. Raquan Evans is a very talented player. Uh, We'll see if his shooting translates in a bigger scale. Five a game. And uh, junior college transfer, Sardar Calhoun, around four points per game. It seems like a lot of players to score around the same amount. And you're right. That is how Florida State plays. They get up and down the floor. They use all, all their players, pride themselves defensively. And then offensively, they space the floor. Um, so I'll, I'll go through some of the Florida State staples and, and take you through how this team is going to compete in the ACC every, as they do every year with, with what would seem like less talented rosters. The staple of Leonard Hamilton coach team is defense, and specifically ball pressure. Florida State l- length and interchangeable bodies. Playing 12 deep is essential to maintaining the pace Florida State wants to play and wants you to play. They create turnovers by playing this pace, and they create them at a very high rate using man defense in the full court. Florida State uses a heavy ball denial-based system, which allows for their lengthy defenders to get in passing lanes, apply heavy ball pressure, and get out for easy baskets. FSU specifically in their version of defense switches one through four, um, and with their versatile athletes and great length, this this works very well. Um, and depending on the center with Osborne, it's possible they go 1 through 5 with with uh they'll probably only go 1 through 4. Typically Florida State plays a very large center like Kumanji, who sits at the rim and, and alters shots. Kumanji was 7-4, Kagambele was 7-1 and the nephew of Dikembe Matumbo. Um that team was a terror to play, gave Virgin they beat Ver- the National Championship Virginia Cavaliers that season in the ACC tournament and gave Duke all they could handle with Zion and RJ leading the way. Um this allows a rim protector to play behind the gambling, uh, lengthy defenders in the passing lanes. As a typically heavy denial team, they're susceptible to back cuts, and once beat, um, Florida State scrambles insanely. They fly around, making you dribble off the three-point line, and with their length, they can contest shots that you wouldn't consider, uh, consider easily contestable. Um, ball pressure limits the ability to enter to a, a posting big man, so big men are typically taken out of the game. Um, and due to switches and recovering from the press, they sometimes lose shooters on the perimeter. And if, that, if there's a weakness in Florida State's defense, it's they give up the long ball at a fairly high clip. Um, the Florida State press is a man-to-man press with occasional traps forced to the sideline and bringing a help defender. But predominantly, it's to speed up teams and cause distress, and that they do. Um offensively, Florida State plays with their wings up high, and there are many ball screens for multiple handlers, and this will be no different this year with no true point guard. Scotty Barnes, uh, not unlike Jalen Johnson, will handle a lot of point guard duty. He's not as skilled offensively as Jalen, but he's got very good vision and he's got a big body that slashes. Um and he's just not a scorer natural. He's a great defender. And, he, and he's one of those guys that a coach would dream for, and he plays with such passion, such aggression, and his passing is is that of people a few years his senior. Um, Florida State, as mentioned, a lot of their offense comes in transition, so they typically shoot a fairly high percentage, um, and that should be no different with this terror of a defensive lineup come, uh, coming into Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State's concern in my book is, is the lack of a true point guard. Trent Forrest was one of the more underrated players in the ACC, scored around 11 per game, was a, was a true point guard, got after it defensively, shot free throws very well down the stretch at end of games. Um, and I look for Scotty Barnes and Anthony Polite to be their main facilitators, and they'll alternate duties. Neither are true point guards, and both are um, competent scorers, but... Um, That'll be something to watch to see how they handle the ball, especially late in games when, or when other teams play pressure because neither have had to play the point guard at this level before. Um, one thing I like a, a lot about this Florida State team this upcoming season is without a really large big guy who comes inside, they'll space the floor with Osborne. And Malik Osborne shoots 36.2% from three, and, and Raquan Gray, the other big, is a... Six eight strong, very um, muscular player who who likes to slash, so he can start outside, and so they'll have uh, great driving lanes for their big big long wings who like to get into get into the paint, and that creates good shooting lanes uh, opportunities, I should say, for MJ Walker, who's a high volume shooter, and this season will be his season to be the lead, the leading scorer, undisputedly, because. In past seasons, he has to, he's had to deal with so many other players in the waves of players that Leonard Hamilton brings in. Um, Anthony Polite also should thrive and play a larger role, shooting 35.4% from three. They shot the three very well this past season. They also had Wyatt Wilkes, who shot 38.1% in a, in a smaller role, as well as Raquan Evans, who shot 41.2% in a small sample size. Uh, Hamilton will space the floor and use his athletes to let them attack closeouts um, have screen and roll with different bodies this year i'll be fascinated to see uh, aside from osborne who sets a lot of screens will it be gray will they will they set screens with scotty barnes rolling and then passing out Um, i think that'll be really interesting to watch how they distribute the ball when the defenses are set an x-factor for florida state in my opinion Is Raekwon Gray. He's a big, tough, physical defender that every time I've watched, I've been very impressed by. Um, He passes the ball when he uh, when he cuts the paint. He defends. He's got really quick hands. And uh, a team key for Florida State to have great success is limiting turnovers with their lack of a true point guard and shooting free throws at a high clip because of they lost Trent Forrest and Devin Vassell, who are both very calm, experienced players who shoot the ball well. And I look for Scotty Barnes to be an all ACC caliber of player. Um, And if he can do so, Florida State may well be the top team in the ACC for all we know. Leonard Hamilton is one of the best coaches in the country that no one ever gives enough credit to. Um, And I'm very excited to see how this team matches up with some of the more talented teams in the acc this season as last season was a slight down year in the acc as hard as that is to believe with florida state for duke in the top 10 louisville and virginia all up in the top 25 um the acc is just that good that brings me to who i have at fourth and it it's not a surprise when you look at the brand name it's north carolina Um, They've got the prettiest jerseys in the country and but last year they were a travesty. They played terribly. They were they were preseason top top ten, top fifteen. Had a great incoming class, just as they do this year. However, last year they went fourteen and 19, 6 and fourteen, and thirteenth place in the ACC. Um, they they have the second ra- rated incoming recruiting class. They scored seventy two point two points per game. Were eighty fourth overall in Ken Palm, seventy seventh offensively, and ninety fourth defensively. Um. Obviously, not pretty numbers. However, the year prior, they were twenty-nine and seven, ninth offensively, eighth defensively, and fifth and fifteenth overall, or excuse me, sorry, ninth overall, eighth offensively, and fifteenth defensively, showing that they were just a year removed from being an elite program that got a one seed in that year's tournament. Um, a sh- a sh- show of how bad this year was in in terms of Carolina standards. They are seventy-nine point eight percent winning percentage in the acc from 2010 to 2019 a nine-year sample size and 68.5 from 11 to 20 so that is a a large drop of huge discrepancy and it wasn't a lack of talent it was just a they didn't coalesce. They didn't do great. But though an awful year, they were still elite in rebounding the ball. That is the trademark of the Carolina team. They rebound the ball and run. Roy Williams loves his big guys, and he's got four very good ones this year, even five. Um, statistically, that is the only place where the Carolina didn't struggle last year. Uh, they were sixth in the country in offensive boards per game with 14 per game and 19th defensive and defensive rebounds with 28 per game. So what went wrong uh, if they were so good at rebounding still? They lacked dynamic wings of the ilk of Cameron Johnson, who was the 11th pick for the Suns, or Justin Jackson, 14th pick a few years prior. And then Kenny Williams, um, who was undrafted, but he was just an ultimate glue guy. Hit threes, guarded your best best, uh, uh, opponent. And then the Cole Anthony injury didn't help them gain any momentum. So this year, what do they have? They replaced Cole with Caleb Love, who's number six in the two four-seven composite rankings. They also brought in a couple more top twenty talents in Dayron Sharp and Walker Kessler, a near top twenty player in RJ Davis. They brought in Kermit Walton and Puff Johnson as well. So the way I project Carolina to play, I expect them to play fast. That is a given under Roy. Um, they have a speedy point guard and, and two bigs that like to run the floor, one trails, one, one runs, and I'll get to that. I, uh, I can show you with a Carolina secondary break, and I'll take you through that. The way I have their starters, I have Caleb Love, Anthony Harris, who returns from, from injury last year, and I think he would have been a big role in last year's team. Um, I think Anthony Harris and R.J. Davis will really fight for minutes at the two-guard spot. They'll have Leaky Black at the three, who is a talented wing who doesn't quite shoot the ball very well, but he'll be very important in this team if they want to go far because the wing play was sorely lacking last year, and if they want to improve, that is the first position to start. Leaky Black last year was a solid player with 7 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. I expect him to score around 8 points per game this year. Um, And then here's my ACC player of the year, and one of the guys one of the only guys in the elite league that you know what you're going to get day in and day out. Uh, that's Garrison Brooks. Garrison Brooks has been around a while and he's extremely talented, hard worker. He may be the best defensive player in the conference and he may lead the conference in scoring. Um, he's dependable. He can play the four or the five. He can even guard the three. Um, I expect Garrison Brooks, who's coming off 17 points, nine rebounds and two assists per game. I expect him to score around 18 points per game and, give you similar rebounding numbers, maybe even more. Um, actually, actually, I think just just about the same line, but he'll just be even more efficient. And because they have more talented bigs, he'll put up the same numbers with less stress to score. Uh, and then rounding out their starting five, I think Armando Bacot, a sophomore, edges out De'Ron Sharp for this five spot. Um, who And De'Ron Sharp is an incoming freshman. Uh, out of Montverde, and he he can do it all. He's a, an elite rebounder who can space the floor, run the floor. Uh, I expect Baycott, though, to start because of his experience, and he played pretty well at the end of the season. He averaged 9.6 points, 8.3 rebounds uh, last year, and I expect this year he'll score around 12 points per game. Uh, which brings me to the bench of Carolina. Typically, Carolina teams have great depth. They even had Luke May um, come off the bench and, and hit their game winner uh, en route to winning the championship, playing behind Isaiah Hicks and Kennedy Meeks. So the, the these guys coming off the bench in Sharp and Kessler in particular, and even Sterling Manley will play roles as the backup power forwards and centers. I expect Aaron Sharp to score five or six points per game. Um, R.J. Davis, Mister Basketball in the state of New York, to score four. Um, not because he's not talented at all. I just think that the priority is for the bigs, and as long as he can have a few games where he gets in double digits, this Carolina team will be dangerous walker kessler will also score around four points per game sterling manley coming off and red shirt he he'll score around two points per game and then andrew playtech good shooter who struggled a bit with confidence and um this past season playing more minutes than expected i think he'll round out their rotational minutes and he'll score around three a game uh so here's some strengths of the, the carolina team as always and you'll hear me reiterate it it's front court de- front court depth um And in their successful years, they'll have four players that can play. Two of them will be upperclassmen, typically, and two younger ones. And then the two younger ones will go on to be upperclassmen, all-conference threats as well. Um, And this year, they really do have that. Um, In Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, Daron Sharp, Walker Kessler, and Sterling Manley. Um, Here's the staple... Of Carolina, they have two bigs that are great at rebounding. They box out, box their butt. Uh, they just they don't allow people to get offensive rebounds, and that is their staple defensively. They only allow you one trip. Um, they they get transition points and secondary transition points stemming from a rim runner and a trailman uh, It's brilliant and so simple. They run someone immediately, and sometimes you'll you'll always hear Jay Billis when he when he covers UNC on ESPN say. Uh, the you you can never settle with North Carolina playing because as soon as it goes through the net, they're running. They're already at half court, and it's true they run the floor better than any team. Um, off of made shots, and they run a fast break off of made shots. Still, it's impressive the way they don't turn the ball off uh, over that often in good years, while still, um, playing good defense. They run up in the court. They play offense in a good sets but their first option is always to push offensively. It starts from a rebound uh, or taking the ball out of the basket where they look to push the ball to the player who is responsible for defending the guy who shot. Um, Cameron Johnson and Justin Jackson were amazing at this. They ran the floor, got the ball in, in good opportunities, found the rim running big and they got easy baskets all the time. Um, UNC sprints a big who didn't rebound the ball to rim run, which is just put himself under the basket and get position and if neither immediately open the point guard pushes the ball capitalizing on deep post position so he has more space to operate Caleb Love is no different than Kobe White or Cole uh, Cole Anthony he can really run the floor and if his vision is anywhere near um, those two and if he can exceed if he can score a little bit fewer points than Cole Anthony but get a few more assists this team should be very good um, the first option in this situation is to find the rim runner who seals the uh, the point guards who are typically speedy and he is no exception that, um, they push the ball and then they have a trailing big who can set a ball screen for the point guard. Then the wing sets an immediate back screen for the big who just set the screen for the point guard. And the trail big is an, a lob threat that works an unbelievable amount of time. Cause typically when you're running back in transition, you're not expecting to be back screened by by a wing when you're a big guy you're you're not used to it your focus is i need to get back to the basket and stop them from scoring Um, carolina capitalized this all the time this happens every single secondary break carolina runs the same motion and it works all the time Um, the wings run down the floor and space out wide and sometimes they get a dribble handoff to effectively play the point guard um, with the same back screen after a ball screen action but this time the point guard sets it and the wing throws it up just a little wrinkle if the ball is reversed to the trailer, this means that the defense did their job and and got back. The trailer plays high-low with the rim runner or, or slips and make, then makes the catch. Um, this is e- easy offense. It's created through rebounds, and why Carolina rebounds so well is the plethora of bigs who, who know they're going to get spells and bursts, so they'll play minutes and play their butt off and then run up the court. They're always the focal point of every possession, and then they push. Um, defensively, Carolina isn't spectacular in that— um, but they use their length and athleticism effectively. They often pressure the ball full court and trap with the trail man. Bryce Johnson was incredible at this. He used his length and would, would trap opportunistically and timely and in a timely manner. Um, the trail man is the guy helping uh, defending the inbounder typically, and then who helps usher the ball to the sideline. They create turnovers this way and make the floor seem to shrink away, allowing only certain areas to be vulnerable um, in typical good Carolina years, they make certain spots on the floor be the ones that beat them, and so they don't give up too many three-point shots. I'm um, sorry, ex- excuse me. They they do give up too many three-point shots because they, they run the floor so fast. They sometimes um, over-pursue and play a little too quickly and get a little restless defensively is something I've noticed. Um, another thing Virginia struggled with this past year, and this is where they gave up a lot of three-point shots was because in the pick and roll, uh, UNC hard hedges, but Baycott, um, as well as the incoming freshman bigs, must step their game up on hedges because uh, Virginia, as I said, sets their hard hedges incredibly, and Jack Salt was amazing at it. Armando Baycott and the freshmen need to take a leaf out of his book, and hedge, hedge similarly, and recover because they seem to be split too often or beat out on the outside, and it created situations that made the vol- defense vulnerable, allowing a lot of three-point shots based uh, stemming from a drive and kick. Um, if they can improve defensively uh, just a slight bit, and then offensively, they can get some shooting from Luke Leaky Black, Anthony Harris, and R.J. Davis. This team is extremely dangerous. And even if a four seed in the ACC, that's still a three seed in the tournament a lot of times. Um, I'll be excited to watch this Carolina team. I hope they turn it around. Um, An X factor uh, to me is the wing play because they sorely lacked Cameron Johnson's shooting and Kenny Williams' defensive abilities as well as spacing. Um, So Leaky Black and Anthony Harris are my X factors. um, And what elevates a Carolina team because they'll always have a good big and a quick point guard is shooting and composed wing players who can, and can fill multiple roles such as JP Tokido, um, Theo Pinson, Kenny Williams, uh, Justin Jackson, all these players did their, did a great job doing those things. And then Caleb loves passing composure could lead this team far and they have the pieces. And ultimately the downfall is wing shooting. So if they can elevate their shooting percentages, just a slight bit and, Caleb Love has a good uh, or, or even a mediocre assisted turnover and doesn't force too many things as Cole Anthony seemed to do at times this season. Carolina will be a team that is being underrated, but will overperform their expectations in, in this upcoming season. That leads me to the last team I will break down today, and that's Louisville. Louisville came off a season where they also tied for second in the ACC with an overall record of 24-7, and 15-5, tying for second in the ACC. Uh, They scored 74.1 points per game and allowed Um, 63.7. In terms of Ken Palm, they were 12th offensively, 30th defensively, and 9th overall. A pretty good team. The only issue here, and why I have them lower in the rankings, is because they lose their four leading scorers. Jordan Wara, uh, Stephen Enoch, Dwayne Sutton, and Ryan McMahon. As well as the lauded recruit from JUCO, Jay Scrub, who declared for the NBA draft. Um, That said... You'd assume, wow, they're, they're they're number five. That's that's generous. No, they adjusted very quickly to learning of this news of losing Jay Scrub and losing a couple of their better players. They got Karlick Jones from Radford, who's a, a very good scorer, and Charles Minlin Jr. Um, from San Francisco, very very accomplished players that will help the young nucleus along at Louisville and compete in the ACC immediately. In 2019-2020, Louisville exceeded, uh, ex- excelled, excuse me, ex- excelled at shooting three, shooting around 37.6%, which was good for 18th in all of college basketball. And then also their defensive field goal percentage was good for 13th, allowing only 38.9% shooting. Um, that's a good recipe for success, and succeeding, uh, succeeding is what Louisville did. Um, Chris Mack is the coach of Louisville, formula, formerly of Xavier and he's showing his um, staples of a program he's put his mark on this program um, in the past couple of years and they really are shooting a lot of threes and defending at a high level as seen by those stats this team will be unique though because of the enormous leaps and there perhaps will be no bigger leap. And I talked about Wendell Moore making a big leap, but there will be no bigger leap made in the ACC, presumably than that of David Johnson and Samuel Williamson. David Johnson averaged 6.3 points per game and 2.8 assists last year. And now I've, I foresee him to be a, a ACC first team member. Seems wild. Um, and the other jump is Samuel Williamson, who only scored four points per game and played sparingly um both of them samuel williamson was a high recruit and david johnson was a hometown kid from louisville kentucky um david johnson was an interesting case he got thrust into the lineup late um he had a monster game against duke scoring 19 and 7 in their 79 73 win over the uh, at the time number three ranked blue uh blue devils um and from that moment onwards i have been a huge fan of david johnson's game he's got composure similar to that of cassius winston he he plays with a herky-jerky movement, he's also six five, and he is a great game. But in those 15, the last 15 games where he got more playing time, he scored 9 points per game, 4.4 assist, uh, 4. 4 assists, and 3.8 rebounds, 1.1 1. 1 steals per game while shooting 49.5% from the field. So the jump isn't quite as absurd as I was saying, um, as it would seem. Um Another player that needs a, a little bit of a jump would be Malik Williams, who was the backup center playing behind Stephen Enoch. They kind of platooned their minutes, and Malik Williams, to me, was the more skilled player. He averaged 8.5 points per game last season and should be in a similar role with just more opportunity to score. Um, Jalen Withers is a player who didn't play much at all, if at all, last season, and he'll be thrust into the, uh, a lineup, if not the starting lineup, this upcoming season. Um, due to the graduation and nba draft declarations so without further ado here's my projected starting lineup and statistics for these team uh for this team um i've got the starting lineup being david johnson um samuel williamson carlick jones malik williams and jalen withers with charles minland Playing six man, but those those last two Minlin and Withers could switch. Minlin's a little small to play the four, but he could, reminds me a little bit of Dwayne Sutton, who was undersized four this past year and did a great job of doing it. Um, Sutton had a little more bulk to him, so that's why I'm saying Withers and then Minlin will. Uh, Char, excuse me, Charles Minlin will come in and fill in that role of a six man score. Um, I expect Karlic Jones to play a really big role and it'll be extremely interesting to me perhaps one of the most interesting things in the acc of any of these teams is how carlick jones who is used to being the man at rad for scoring 19.6 per game 5.5 assists and 5 rebounds or sorry 5.5 assists and 5 rebounds yes um and charles mineland 14 uh, points five rebounds and an assist how those two go from high usage players to probable less usage and especially with Jones and David Johnson both playing the point guard I expect David Johnson to be the the true point guard the guy who handles handles the ball more and Jones to be more of a scoring guard a little bit of a combo guard and Williamson will play the three rather than his natural two uh, he's got the size to play the three for sure though um, I think the the scoring will be as follows. Uh, David Johnson with 15 per game. Samuel Williamson with 12 per game. Carlick Jones with 14 per game. Malik Williams with 10 per game. Jalen Withers with 5 per game. Uh, Charles Madlin Jr. 8 per game. DeAndre Davis, 3 per game. Quinn Slizinski, 3 per game. Nickelberry, 2 per game. Um so that, that adds up to around 72 points per game, and which is just slightly less than this past year. And I think it'll be just a little less scoring because of worse shooting and younger with a little bit of less proven depth. So if, if their depth um, improves over this summer, which they undoubtedly will, some of their bench players supporting cast members, um, then they could conceivably score more points. But due to Chris Mack's liking of shooting the three and this team not being as good three-point shooters, Uh, I could see a little slip in offensive efficiency. Uh, Here's an interesting stat for you guys. This team shot um, a ton of threes and Ryan McMahon and Jordan Wara were their main shooters. Ryan McMahon and Jordan Wara uh, together accounted for 41% of the team's spot-up attempts and 68% of the team's field goal attempts off screens. Um, This year... That is the key to me for this Louisville team to have success. They need to find people to shoot the ball. Um, Johnson is not a natural three-point shooter. Carla Jones shot 41% from three. Um, and I think if he spots off uh, spots up off ball with Johnson operating in the pick and roll uh, or or just spotting up in general with with Williamson and Jones spotting up, um, they could they could have success in that department. Uh, Malik Williams can also step out and shoot it a little bit, but you don't want him falling in love, becoming too enamored with that shot. Um, I think uh, David Johnson should have the ball in the, his hands a lot and will greatly improve his assist numbers. And he'll be very good, especially in the Chris Mack, since Chris Mack is a known member of the Thad Mata coaching tree, a former Ohio State coaching uh, coach. And that coaching tree uses the Buckeye series. Um most plays start from the same set to disguise their intent, especially backdoors, which are very prevalent in the Buckeye series. Louisville had one of the thickest playbooks, um, with like seventy-six set plays that they ran, um, and they had eleven options out of the Buckeye series alone, including backdoor, middle slip, slip, flex, Spain, throwback, and ISO. So I'll go through one of their one of their sets because that's a lot right there. Um, Mac was. Mac even used the Chin series from the Princeton, uh, made famous by Pete Carrill um, and that that's hard to do, to see. He used it as a continuity against Kentucky this past season. Um, but let's take a look at the Buckeye series. The Buckeye series typically starts with the uh, team crowding one side of the floor to space uh, once the screen is set. The point guard passes to a wing and runs off a back screen or a flare screen set by the Power Or center and then the screener sets another screen this time on ball and rolls as the driver has the floor open by the crowd al- a crowded alignment, and he drives towards, uh, toward where there is little to no help. And then the opposite wing stays on the crowded side corner, while the four or five, who- whoever didn't set the screen, replaces the diving screener and fills upward. This can be ran as a continuity if the ball is reversed through the screener, rather than setting the screen. In continuity, many of the aforementioned options arise, and notably flex coats. Um, and dives are open for the four and the five. Um, there's a lot of layups and then the spacing and knowing and the scouting allows for there to be counters, which allowed for a lot of Jordan Wara and Ryan McMahon, who are uh, very good three-point shooters and they shot for a high volume. Um defensively is where Chris Mack is known for. At Xavier in the Big East, he played a gritty style that that caused a lot of fights and, and arguments, and he overachieved with talent there, even getting some one seeds, making it the elite eight of tournaments. Um, with these athletes at louisville he, he he does a great job on defense still um, mac once stated on defense kids are way better ball handlers and way worse without the ball in their hands compared to 20 years ago that said he pressures the ball and preaches defensive continuity much like tony bennett at virginia but louisville doesn't play as slowly which which makes their pace and scoring numbers both offensively and defensively a little different uh, like virginia louisville uses the pack line the pack line benefits louisville to, due to their length And the purpose of the pack line being a uh, is uh, sorry excuse me, Um, the purpose of the pack line makes a driver feel like he's driving against many players, taking away many passing lanes. Louisville takes the ball away at a good clip per possession due to the pack line's slow style, diminishing the amount of their defensive uh, possessions. Um, This is true of Virginia. Defensively, they play long and grinding possessions. Offensively, they they play quicker than virginia which is why they allow more points um because they don't spend as long on the offensive side as xavier mac was known to be one of the defensive toughest defensive teams in the country and he is starting to build that identity at louisville um making rick uh, the rick patino teams of louisville of old proud um for me the x factor of this team will be replacing the shooting and how the ball dominant guards um johnson and jones coexist in the same backport And the X factor, if you could choose one player, would be Jalen Withers, because he'll take a huge step. And with an honorable mention of Samuel Williamson, who was a really talented wing, and he didn't get enough minutes this past year playing behind a logjam of older players, but he was a touted recruit. And he will have time to grow playing practice against all those guys the last year. And he should be featured heavily in this offense, scoring about 12, 13 points, shooting a decent clip. And if he shoots the ball well, um, this Virginia team should score. Or for that matter, if anyone shoots about 37% or better, if they have one one or two guys on the team who can shoot for volume around that clip, as they did this past year, this team will be exciting and have the chance to play deep in this into this ACC conference and potentially win the title whether in the tournament or the regular season. Um, Johnson to me is an all conference player and shooting will dictate his success as well as the uh, team's success um, depending how, if he can have players that are reliable to pass the ball to uh, when, when he creates those opportunities or if he can shoot it himself. Um, so I'll t- take you through my top five teams in the country my all acc uh, freshman team and first team all acc and that'll be the it for this first uh, podcast and next up will be the big 10 so without further ado my first team all acc is david johnson of louisville scotty barnes of florida state jalen johnson of duke garrison brooks of unc and sam hauser of virginia the toughest part of coming up with this first team was positions so at first i tried to think of positions And it was too difficult. So if you went strictly positions, I think I'd go David Johnson, maybe MJ Walker of of Florida State for the shooting guard, Jalen Johnson at the three, Garrison Brooks or Sam Hauser was incredibly hard. I'd go Garrison Brooks because he's my player of the year. And then at the center, it's really difficult because there's not a ton of great centers in the conference. And I had to take Jay Huff. Jay Huff or Mark Williams would be the top two there. Um, but I'm going to go positionless, and I think it should be that. Those are the five best players. So David Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Johnson, Garrison Brooks, and Sam Houser. My all-freshman team is Caleb Love, uh, Scotty Barnes, Earl Timberlake at Miami, who was not mentioned in this, but he'll be a very good player in the college this upcoming season, Uh, Jalen Johnson, and then Dayron Sharp or Mark Williams is a very tough spot for center again. and I'm going with Williams just because he's playing more minutes at duke as a starter and sharp will probably be a backup um, and lastly my top five in the country is number one gonzaga assuming that they're returning um, petrusev and or kispert um, if not then i think it will probably v- be villanova at top so villanova is my second team um, a second seed at third we have baylor baylor returns a lot of what they had fourth i have an acc representative of virginia and fifth i have iowa so I'll just give a quick preview of these guys and then I will sign off. Um, the starting lineup for uh, Gonzaga was Philip Petrosev, Drew, it will be Philip Petrasev two Drew Timmy, Joel, Ie, Corey Kispert and Jalen Suggs um, with some nice bent of bench depth of Julian Strother, Aaron Cook and Dominic Harris. That's a really deep team. They play in kind of a weak conference, but This Gonzaga team under Mark Few is nothing to laugh at as they've proven the last couple of years in the tournament. I think it's just a matter of uh, years before they break through and win it all, similar to the way Tony Bennett at Virginia did. Um, At Villanova, Jay Wright, another really good coach, has a very talented team on his hands again, led by point guard Colin Gillespie. He'll have Brian Antoine and Charlie Moore fighting over minutes at the two, Uh, Jermaine Samuels at the three, Cole Swider at the four, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at the five. Um, they could even go Gillespie, Antoine Moore, Samuels, and Earl and Swider off the bench, along with Demir, Cosby, Roundtree, Caleb Daniels, and Eric Dixon. That's a nine-man depth not many teams can play with. The Big East is a tough conference this last couple years, and Villanova's proven they're, they're, they're worth it. They, they've they won two of the last three year. I'm sorry. They won in 16 and 18, and they have a very chan- a good chance to p- take down the Nets again. At third, I have Baylor. Um, they'll be led by Jared Butler and Macy O'Teague. They have a defensive menace in Davion Mitchell and Mark Vidal, both returning. And then they'll hope to get the 2017, 2018, uh, Tristan, or sorry, 2018, 2019 Tristan Clark back. And if they do, that team's very scary because he struggled after his knee injury. If he can come back with that same form of a year prior, they'll be a dominant team in the Big 12 and may actually dethrone Kansas. Um, they'll also have Matthew Meyer, Adam Flasier, uh, Flagler, LJ Cryer, Jordan Tur- Turner, and Flo Thomba off the bench. And Scott Drew leads them in a very well, a very good way. Um, at fourth, I had Virginia, and I already went through them, as you guys know. Uh, and fifth, I have Iowa, which is one of my favorite teams in the country to watch because they play inside out. Um, big disclaimer about Iowa. This is if they return Luca Garza. Um, Iowa will also get back a player they didn't have this past season and uh, jordan bohannon who was granted a fifth year for a medical hardship bohannon averaged 14 points his last season playing um he's a lights out shooter one of the best shooters in the big 10 if not the best shooter in the big 10 and one of a couple of his teammates have something to say about that one of them being his, the shooting guard cj frederick who was a freshman this year shot 46 percent from three scored 10 points per game uh they have connor mccaffrey his coach's son fran mccaffrey's the head coach there McCaffrey led the entire nation in assist to turnover, scoring six points per game. But is a vital glue guy. Joe Wieskamp was a uh, All Big Ten Conference second team or third team member this past season as a sophomore, scoring 14 a game. And then the aforementioned Luca Garza, walking double double, 24 and 10, um, to round out the starting line. That's a dangerous team playing inside out. They if they can find a way to limit some teams from scoring on them. As I think they will this year, with some of their zones, they'll outscore almost anyone offensively. They'll be dangerous, and they should be the lead contender in the Big Ten, along with Wisconsin and Michigan State. Um, and that, more on that next time. Thank you. Hopefully, you guys enjoy.